Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 104 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to continue our two-part discussion with Scott Wolf. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that discussion because Scott and I talk about the Disneyland Ambassador Program, about how he met Richard and Robert Sherman, about some stories about Walt Disney himself, and a little bit about Imagineer Harriet Burns. In part two of the discussion, we left off with a little bit of a cliffhanger about Walt's visit to Paris, so we're going to start by finishing up that story. We're then going to talk some more about Imagineer Harriet Burns. We're going to discuss at length the Golden Horseshoe at Disneyland, which Scott has some incredibly fascinating stories about the history of the Golden Horseshoe. And we're also going to talk about how to get some reliable information about Disney history, which especially today with everything available on the internet is is so important. So Scott has some incredibly uh, reliable and relevant ways that you can get the most accurate Disney history and to question whether or not what you're reading or hearing is true. We're also going to share, or he's going to share a story about Mel Blanc, which is really interesting and talk about the Keeping the Magic Alive video series, which as I mentioned, I adore. I find it to be so interesting. And every time I watch a new video from Scott through this video series, I learn something new. So we're going to talk a little bit about how Scott develops and that that video series and uh, what you can expect by visiting that channel on YouTube. At the end of the show, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. But yeah, so Harriet had great stories. You never knew what would come out of her mouth. One time, you know, Walt Disney brought her little trinkets. Her, Waythel Rogers, and Fred Jerger, they worked in what they called the model shop, but they he would bring them little trinkets and like mechanical things to take apart and look at how they work and stuff like that. And one time he saw, she told me this story, a very kind of a typical Harriet one. So Walt saw a hat and, uh, and he was he was in Paris and it was in 1955 and he saw a hat with all kinds of mini- miniatures on it. I, I don't know if it was in a store or where, but so he asked about it and they told Walt where he, either who made it, I, I should really find out the exact details, but where to get this or whatever it is. But the point of this story was that he he gets in a taxi gives the guy the address that this person wrote down and the taxi driver drives him there. And Harriet tells me, and cause Walt would talk with her all the time. So she knew stories, you know, beyond just, you know, we're working on an attraction or something. Right. Well, what Walt wasn't aware of, do you know this story? Do you know where this is going? I don't going? think I know this where this is going. No. So I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I'm listening. I'm, I'm trying to think about where it might be headed. So no, I haven't heard this one before. It turns out it's in the middle of a red light district in Paris. Oh, wow. <laughs> And the taxi, and Walt was not aware of this. So Walt gives him the address, 
and the taxi driver drives him there. And Walt says, you know, just stay here. I won't be long. And the taxi driver <laughs> says, take your time, take your time. You know, so uh, that's just one of those stories, you know, a little off color. I mean, nothing bad. And Walt, you know, I mean, there was, it was so innocent. But yeah, but there was a few, there was a few different stories. Harriet was a jokester. I think Pam could tell you, I, I think it would be safe to say she liked to shock people. Because That's, you wouldn't yeah. expect these things. She definitely liked the off-color jokes, which is why she fit in so well. She was a woman working with the men, alongside the men. In the 50s, I mean, the first thing was she was told she couldn't do certain jobs because she was a woman, things she was very capable of. You know, um, I know it's in my video. I don't like to reiterate all the same stuff I do in my videos. Um, but, you know, she was walking around the studio and they were saying, what do you think you could do? You know, when she, after she applied, and she saw the plasterers working on the hippos for the Jungle Cruise. And she said, I could do that. And they said, you're not allowed to because women weren't allowed to. And that wasn't a Walt thing. It was a, a union thing. And Walt didn't care, you know. And over and over and over, I can't tell you how many people have told me that Walt would have them do something that wasn't their job just because he could sense what they do. It tells you again about Walt, you know. Right. But, oh, Harriet, I loved her. And, and the way I met Pam, I wrote to her, you know, um, when Harriet died, you know, it's, I, why am I getting like this? Oh my God. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's an emotional story. So bad yeah. because I wouldn't be able to talk to her again. That's how much I really enjoyed it. You know, it, I'm, it, it was, so I wrote to Pam and just kind of poured my heart out because I wanted her to know how special Harriet was to me. Although I'm not alone. I mean, Harriet was so special to so many people. <clears throat> and um, Pam did a wonderful book. Um, do you have that? What, what is the name? Harriet Burns? Oh, uh, is it uh, um, The First Lady of Imagineering? That's it. I have a copy. Pam, Pam uh, signed a copy for me, which is very oh, kind good. of her too. Yeah. It's, you could just tell from all the people who wrote for that and shared their stories of Harriet. Oh my God, she was special, you know, really. And, and so many of them, there's just certain people, you know, Rene Bardot was so special to me who took those pictures of Walt walking through the castle. He just passed away of COVID. Uh, he, he, he was another one. You know, I could, I, it's hard, you know, I don't think I'm that old, you know, I don't feel not. it for sure, but it is hard when, you know, I mean, these people, you know, some of them would have been in their 90s, but you know, you Harriet and Bob and Renee and just so many Wally Bogan, you know, so many people that um, you know, they pass away, but and Jacqueline Quiston, you know, just so many where you just call up and you just I don't care what kind of mood you're in, and Harriet especially, no matter what kind of mood you're in, you hang up just uh in such a great mood, just feeling good, you know. I, I could go on and on about Harriet. I hope I told you enough, you know, about her to really paint a picture of really how unique she was. And, and the other thing I should say is how she did everything. You know, she was hired to paint sets for the Mickey Mouse Club, but she worked on, you know, everything. Um, like I said, the, well, the original, if you watch, there's, um, which video is it Disneyland 59 I think it was called where they they it was the debut of the Matterhorn the monorail and the submarines and 
they had a big parade and in it you see like a big float of the Matterhorn you know and and what happened was like it was just conversation with Harriet it wasn't anything more I would say because she what are your kids doing whatever and I would say we watched you know that we watched the one of them was um the Babes in Toyland backstage party it's mm-hmm. called and she says oh yeah I created that cake you know that's in there. I mean whatever it was it didn't well the Matterhorn in this in this parade that was the model that they did for that was the real model wow. scale model of the Matterhorn so you can you imagine that you're watching this parade in Disneyland it's like oh what a cool float it looks just like the real Matterhorn <laughs> that they have here well that's because that was the actual model they used to create it you know which I didn't know until she told me you know that's so cool. So whatever, yeah, she, and, and, and wh- however long our conversation goes, I think if you were talking to Harry, it would be three times longer and you would love every second. You I would bet. have loved, you, Matt, would have loved Harriet. You absolutely would have loved Harriet. I could tell just from all the stories at, that I've heard and uh, hearing her interviews and everything else, I just knew that she was an amazing person. Um, yeah. We might have to do a whole episode just about Harriet. I, I've, I've yeah. interviewed Haley, as I mentioned, but I feel yeah. like that even then it was cut short and we just... You could go on about any one of these yeah. uh, people for for uh, hours, just because they're they're people outside of, outside yeah. of work too. There's so much to say. Yeah. Um. So you, you've again kind of bouncing from subject to subject. You've mm-hmm. you've you've tapped into or talked about or mentioned this place a few times. And so I, I have to ask about it. And that's the golden horseshoe. Uh, I've, heard you, I've heard you, I've heard you, ask, you've mentioned it in a couple of different answers and yeah. uh, I suspect it's probably your favorite place at Disney. So um, oh, man. you have a, uh, what, what, what fun stories do you have about that? Gosh, you know, when I was growing up to tell you how early this was, I remember being in the Golden Horseshoe watching the Golden Horseshoe Review. We would, the first thing we would do, it was such a popular show. It started, the real first show was July 13th. Disneyland opened July 17th, but for Walt's 30th anniversary, it was, he invited his guests. Edgar Bergen was there, according to Shirley Towers, who was one of the dancers. And I, I, she was just telling me this. She remembered Edgar Bergen, the ventriloquist, great legendary ventriloquist being in the audience. But Walt invited friends and family to ride the Mark Twain of in his unopened, yet to be open Disneyland park and go across from the Mark Twain through Frontierland to the Golden Horseshoe, the Golden Horseshoe Saloon. saloon. And um, it, it was such a popular show, at least when I was a kid in the seventies, if you didn't get your reservations early, you're not going to see it. So my family, first thing we do, go over to Golden Horseshoe, get those reservations, and then usually go to Carousel Progress. They usually let me do what I want. <laughs> but <laughs> then go on with your day, you know? Right. And um, the show, okay, so in the middle of the show, Slewfoot Sue, and there were several, but the main one who did it for 30 years was Betty Taylor. Now, Matt, do you know America Sings? Yes, I do. That, so that was the, Carousel of Progress when it right. moved to, yeah. To and with huge, hugely Mark Davis, who I talked about, he designed all those characters. And today you could see, well, no, maybe not. By the time this is on, I don't know. But in Splash Mountain and Disneyland, all the characters in Splash Mountain, with the exception of like the the new ones, Br'er Bear, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, but they're all from Splash Mountain, design, but America Sings, rather, designed by Mark. And... Betty was the voice of the pig that sang Bill Bailey in oh, America cool. Sings. 
but Betty was a great singer. She was with the Sons of the Pioneers, which was a, I love them. You know, there's always this kind of uh, overlaps. And for a while they had Sons of the Pioneer music in Frontierland as part of their background music in Disneyland uh, because they were saying the songs of the old West, Tumbling Tumbleweed and Cool Cool Water and the old cowboy songs. But Betty was on a radio show with them. The Golden Horse Review had top-notch entertainment. So you had Betty, you had Wally Bogue, and Wally started in vaudeville. He was hilarious. In fact, now that The Muppets is on Disney Plus, um, my sons and I, uh, and, well, and my wife, and my family watched Wally on The Muppet Show because Jim Henson was a big fan of Wally's oh, cool. and invited him to be on The Muppet Show. And um, so you had Wally and you had Donald Novus. These were the three stars of the Golden Horse Review. So people, originally it wasn't Betty, it was Judy Marsh. And she was only there until, I think it was January, but she was only there for about six months. Really a neat entertainer. I mean, she had a really good voice. I've seen some footage of her. Um, but Betty took over and was there for 30 years in that same show, The Golden Horse Review, which holds a Guinness World Record. A lot of people, even Disneyland used to get it wrong. If you were at the show, it would say the longest running stage show, and it was not the longest running stage show. In fact, I think maybe even Hoop-dee-doo Review has beat it in terms of years, but it had more performances of any other live stage show. And I think it may still hold the record. Sometimes they had a day and night cast and they would do as many as 10 shows in a day. Wow. And it was every day, but usually five shows. And I, I, I know I was talking the other day to Ricky Lugo, a, a wonderful dancer, and she did so much. She, you could see her in Babes in Toyland. You could see her in, um, well, the Golden Horseshoe, Wonderful World of Color. You could see her in the 10th anniversary. And um, she was doing five shows a day in the Golden Horseshoe in the 60s with no air conditioning. Wow. Can you imagine <laughs> Disneyland without air conditioning? So it's crazy, but there's so much history for the 10,000th episode they did, uh, Walt loved the show so much, they did a whole episode of The Wonderful World of Color called The Golden Horseshoe Review, which wasn't even done at Disneyland. It was really done on a recreation of the stage at the studio. Uh, most people wouldn't know that. Yeah. But, um, it, and then, so you had Don Novus, who I was about to talk about. So was, at the time, Judy, Wally, and Don. I never saw Judy or Don. This was before I was born. Don Novus, if you watch Bambi, you'll hear him singing Love is a Song. And if you watch Lady in the, Tra Lady in the Tramp, um, you'll hear him singing, uh, I think the official title is Peace on Earth, but a wonderful tenor. And he had albums out and he was on radio. So these were top-notch performers. Then after Judy left, they got Betty. And for a long time, for a few years, it was Wally, Don, and Judy, I'm sorry, and Betty. When Don got sick, he took over the tour guides um, I'm sorry, I think it was guest relations, but they brought in Fulton Burley. Now, Wally worked with Fulton. They both were under contract to MGM and they did a movie together, just bit parts, but they became friends. And Wally brought Fulton over to work at the Golden Horseshoe. And now I'm going to, and so I used to go to this show and I remember being in the audience as a kid so well. And the character, Betty's character, Sufutsu, and it may have been Betty, but she would come into the audience and mingle with people. I was terrified she was gonna come talk to me. And I remember, <laughs> it's funny, the things I remember vividly sitting across the table, it was my whole family, my sister, my mom and dad, grabbing my mom's hand, literally terrified she's gonna come talk to me in front of everybody. <laughs> you know? uh, so it shows you how far back I remember. I also remember a sing-along 
And there were times when they would lead the audience in a sing-along. Um, and before the show, in fact, um, they had different things. Uh, and one of them was a sing-along. They had a slide projector. At one point, it was they would just show Pecos Bill because it's kind of themed towards Pecos Bill. But at one point, they had the sing-along. <clears throat> so um, I just have these vivid memories. And so for me, when I think of the Golden Horseshoe, not the review itself, but the building, these things come flooding back to me, first of all. Then Walt loved it, and Walt had a box where if you're looking at the stage to the right, there's a box. That was his box. That was Walt's box. And a few years ago, about three years ago, I, on my birthday, I went there. You know, they weren't doing shows or anything, but I got to eat in that box. And, you know, that might be my one favorite place, you know, in yeah, the I love eating the there at park. But yeah, there's so much history. And um, I went there many times and there were really a lot of good entertainers. I mean, there were subs. Um, like I said, Jay Meyer, who I mentioned earlier, who I became friends with, he was one of the singing statues in the Haunted Mansion, is still to this day. But if you went to the Golden Horseshoe, he was a sub for Fulton. And I was looking at one of my, I, I wasn't real good at pictures when I was like 12, but I had an Insta, uh, what was it called? In a Kodak Instamatic camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You, you couldn't set anything. You just take the picture. But you can, and it's all red now because it's old, but you could see without a doubt that's Jay Meyer on the stage. And people like me who were there had no idea we could go over to the Haunted Mansion and see Jay. And Jay had a huge history going back to the Jack Benny show on radio before television, singing every week on the Jack Benny show. So much history in the Golden Horseshoe. So in 2006, so I always loved it. In fact, when I decided to start really doing interviews and recording people, one of the first, I, it, it was maybe the first, was Wally Bogue. And, um, and then I brought my son to Wally's house one day and he did his famous balloon animals. Wally was one of the first people to do balloon animals. You know, I mean, it, it's, and he did some for my son. And then he did a nose for me, a balloon nose, like a clown nose. So you could actually squeeze onto your uh, nose. And I have a picture of me and Wally both with our clown noses. <laughs> so I was going, I, um, I was talking to a man named Howard Green, who is a fascinating Disney historian and a nice man and worked in Disney publicity. Uh, and he was going to be doing a tribute to Fulton. Fulton had just passed away. So now we're talking about 2007. And um, he asked, and I don't know how he knew or whatever that I had this kind of real passion for the Golden Horseshoe and I knew some of the people. At that point, I also knew Dick Hardwick who replaced Wally Bogue. Um, I was still in touch, I still am in touch with Dick. And so he asked me if I wanted to be involved in this tribute. And I ended up getting the chance to produce this tribute to Fulton Burley. That's cool. And in fact, I never, the only time, I, I, I mean, I saw Fulton a few times, but when I was at the studio and I knew one of the, I knew the man who created the Disney Legends Awards, Jeff Hoffman, he is the daddy behind it. He is, and such a nice, nice guy. This, he started his own company, a philanthropic company. I mean, that, that tells you about Jeff. It's just a philanthropic company, but he was the vice, executive vice president, I think it was called, but a, the volunteers, I think his official title is like Disney Worldwide Outreach, but he started it. So I suggested, there was two groups, I guess you call it, or anyways, I suggested the Thrill Ravenscroft, who I 
mentioned about the Haunted Mansion, Be Honored. Right. He did so much for Disney. And I mentioned Wally, Betty, and Fulton from the Golden Horseshoe. I, want, I thought it'd be neat if they were named Disney legends. And they took it and they brought it, Jeff took it, brought it to the committee and they named them Disney legends on the studio lot. I actually got a press pass for that. And I have pictures, I have one where they're putting their handprints in the cement in front of the great Disney theater, you know, studio theater. And Fulton's looking right at me. Fulton was quite a funny man. And he went all over the country uh, touring promoting Disney's latest films because he could just add them so easily. And Wally did that with him sometimes. So Fulton did a whole bunch of those. And so I got to produce this tribute to Fulton. And as part of it, I would make phone calls to invite people. And every person I called, you know, everyone's a story. Like, and I heard you worked on it. I heard that you were a teacher for Claudia, who was Dick Hardwick's wife, because she was a can-can dancer. And he <laughs> met her doing the Golden Horse. I mean, crazy stuff. And, and that was Ricky Lugo, as a matter of fact, who was the teacher. Yeah. But, but dancers from the 50s um, to the 80s. The last Golden Horse Review was 1986. And um, I just got to meet these people. In fact, part of this tribute, Jay was Fulton's sub, but Jay did the show a whole lot. And there was one number where they did a solo uh, singing about the girl in the Police Gazette. And for the very last Golden Horseshoe Review, you know, it was usually either Fulton or Jay. And then there were other subs too. Um, I know Shelby Grimm, who was with the Dapper Dance for years, was one of the subs also for that role. And all singers. Anyways, for the very last performance of the Golden Horse Review, Fulton stops the show where he's supposed to do his solo and pulls Jay up and they do the song together, which was so great because Jay was such a big part of that show. And so Jay was, um, he was, like I said, had the great history singing. In fact, he did, he was in the chorus singing in Mary Poppins and the Sound of Music and tons of movies and things. And um, what, so he was rather old by this point. And, and I don't like to say the negative parts and I hate, and I am you know, not that anything negative about him, but he had dementia. You know, I don't want people to really be remembered that way, but I'll tell you this story. And I know it's now public, but see what you do. You, you, you kind of, I feel like it's just us two. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's but how what I work. Happened, yeah. So no one else will hear this. Um, not that it's anything bad about Jay in any, by any means, but he had dementia. Although if you mentioned Jack Benny, he could remember the great times he had or the Golden Horseshoe or whatever. And one of the songs he always sang was, um, uh, well, it was a whole Irish medley. And part of that was to Relura Lou. And Jay was, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Fulton was Irish. He truly was Irish. So I thought what a neat tribute to have Jay sing to Relura. But like I said, Jay had dementia and his daughter called me and I, I asked Jay, would you like to sing to Ralura? And for me, it's like, it, it would be amazing to hear him sing. But what's really important in anything I do, if it's an interview or a, sh a show or anything, the people have to look good. You cannot make them look bad. It's so important. Not, and I, I want to stress, there's nothing bad I can say about these people, but I don't want them to get up and forget the words. I don't want, I want everyone to shine and you never know what's going to be their, their golden moment, you know? So I asked him, and it might've been stupid on my part to ask him because he did have dementia. And now we're expecting him to remember the words. And his daughter called and said, 
he's willing to do it and he actually sounds great, but he's not remembering the words. So I said, well, okay, first of all, he doesn't need to if anyone feels uncomfortable. But what she, um, she said, he's fine when he holds the sheet music, but when he puts it down, he doesn't remember the words. I said, what if he holds the sheet music? And here's what I put together. We're gonna have him hold the music. I don't even think people will question it, whatever. He has the music for whatever reason. We had a piano, we'll have him do the music. And let's come up with something so that if he forgets the words, it's not that he's older or has dementia or anything. You know, this was 2007 and the last time he sang it was 1986. So I wrote for, I had Dick Hardwick hosting. So Dick replaced Wally in the show. So Dick, um, I had a great comedian, by the way, still working today. I had Dick hosting and I said, if Jay forgets the words, I don't want you to say he forgot the words. Can you just say something like, hey folks, this is 30 years already, let's all sing along. And it'll be a fun moment and people will still go away with a good feeling instead of, oh my gosh, the guy forgot the words. Well, Jay gets up there, he holds the sheet music, the lights dim and he sang flawlessly that every single note, and it's funny because I have the um, the camera, you know, on him, uh, and you hear me crying. As you can tell, <laughs> I tend to get emotional, you know, things. That's a you good hear thing. people all. Oh, there were so many sniffles in this, uh, hearing him sing, and that was the last time he ever sang in public, and he got a rousing standing ovation amongst the peers, amongst Wally was there that day, amongst dancers and people, you know, I only wish that, you know, Fulton could have been there, you know, uh, it, it just was an amazing thing. And that was the last time Jay sang in public. And like I said, just flawless. You know, it took me a long time to even be able to watch that clip without crying, you know. So the Golden Horseshoe on many levels is so special to me. And, uh, you know, and I have so many more stories I'm not going to you know, share right now, but I hope that answers your question. About, it does. You know, the, uh, to give a little history for people who don't know that the Golden Horseshoe Review was such a historical show within the building that now is called the Golden Horseshoe. When you would walk by it up until 1986, if you saw it, it actually said Golden Horseshoe Review. Now it just says the Golden Horseshoe. So... In fact, I was asked to do, Disneyland hired me when Wally and Betty, so they were the two in the Golden Horseshoe, passed away one day apart in their wow. 90s. Can you imagine? Yeah. So Disneyland yeah. was going to do a tribute, and they actually hired me for historic purposes to work on that. And um, they, uh, it, it was kind of funny because they did this, I'm not trying to make them look bad, but they had this beautiful backdrop. It was at the Big Thunder Ranch, and it was a private event, and uh it, they recreated above the stage and it says the golden horseshoe in the same font. And I said, the only thing is when Fult or when Wally and Betty were there, it actually said golden horseshoe review. I was like, Oh, <laughs> forget it. No, no, no. You know? And then we had a, then we went to the golden horseshoe that day afterwards. This was really sweet. And I, I don't know if it was my idea or not, but I, I was pushing for it and they, they let this happen. And we had a big reunion of the Golden Horseshoe people inside the Golden Horseshoe. This was, I think, 2011 or 12. And so I have pictures of like dancers from the 50s up through the 80s all on the stage together. And, and you had, uh, so Wally passed away, but we had um, Jim Adams and uh, Don, uh, 
I don't think Don Payne was on the stage. He was one of the subs also, but Jim Adams, Dana Daniels, and Dick Hardwick together on the stage who were all subs for Wally. Well, Jim Adams was a sub for Wally, then Dick, Dick took over, and Dana was a sub for, for Dick. Anyways, uh, yeah, that was a real special thing. And if you look on the wall inside the Golden Horseshoe, there's a poster that I they asked for my assistance as a consultant, and it's a tribute to Wally, Betty, and Fulton. I provided them with pictures which the artist used to sketch, and I gave them a little factual information. So that little, little teeny poster is kind of a neat thing too. And on, on that event honoring Wally and Betty is when we unveiled it in the Golden Horseshoe. And replicas of the posters um, were given to the families of Wally, Betty, and Fulton at that time. So yeah, it's a special, special place. It is. It's a, I have, you know, this, this podcast, as I imagine it will go on for years, because there's just so much to say and in every or so much to talk about. And even you either dive deeper into a subject in a future episode or new things come out and Disney have more to talk about. But I think Golden Horseshoe, when I do get to that, I'll have to have you on as a my my go to guests for <laughs> for talking really deep about the the history of the review and, and of the yeah, I'd be happy to for this. It's funny because I know before we talked and you had mentioned a couple topics maybe we could talk about, and I get scared with that. I'm always afraid. I don't know if I have enough to say. You know, <laughs> you make it really easy to talk though. So. <laughs> so I thank you for that. Well, thank you. I uh, all I want is is for for people to have the opportunity to share fun stories and and meaningful stories, and that's what we're absolutely getting to here. Um, I guess a, a couple of overarching questions because you have such depth of knowledge and part of that comes from experience and asking questions and being where the action was and talking to people and interviewing people but i feel like there are a lot of people who are maybe interested in becoming historians when it comes to whether it's disney or could be another subject too mm -hmm. so for someone who's interested in and this could almost be for me in a way like for someone who's interested in disney history um what do you recommend for people to, aside from these conversations, get more detail and hear more stories? And how can they, like, where can they start to get all this information and, and hear all these stories? Well, you're on the right track because the first thing is you need passion. When you've got that passion, so much comes to you. One of the big things that's important to me that I would suggest to people is to really make sure that if you state something as a fact, that is a fact. You could say so-and-so told me this and now it's not a fact, it's the fact according to so-and-so. Right. Um, there's so much misinformation. And part of this, before I worked for Disney, I was interested without a doubt. And I read a book which stated that Walt Disney was frozen, which is completely false, <laughs> you know? And it had said that, <laughs> yeah. And, and there's so many, I mean, Walt never said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, that was written for Horizons and Epcot many years later. And it said that all of the, I haven't read this book since the 80s, so it's a long time. But it said that the cartoons were computerized. And if, I'm, if I remember correctly, it actually said Mickey and Goofy and Donald were computerized. And I used to believe whatever I read in books because, I mean, I was also young, but why wouldn't I, you know? And I'm a very skeptical person. And when people, even with my interviews, when people tell me something, 
and in fact, I, I was helping Stan Freeze write his book and Stan was the first band leader at Disney World and he went on to be the band leader at Disneyland and booking talent. And he's such a great friend and he asked me to help write his book. And part of the reason why is, you know, I check everything. And if Stan says uh, he was doing an event or whatever, or working on a project, whatever, I go in, I get this, you know, he knew I'm going to correct the dates, I'm going to correct the whatever, yeah. But um, sometimes you interview people and their stories change just in time. They're not trying to lie. They're not trying to make it better. And, you know, they'll say I worked at whatever, you know, shop on Main Street. And I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure that, you know, <laughs> did this shop exist? You know, I'm not going to tell them this. And I might even edit it out a little if, you know, if there's something they say that's just wrong, you know. Um, but you got to know what to believe and what not to believe. And that's very difficult. So I was reading that book about the computerized animation. And I guess I was interested enough in Disney that I actually was invited to feature animation before I even worked for Hanna-Barbera. And they were working on the great mouse detective and they showed me computer animation of a vehicle. I think you might know this more in the movie is there a a tricycle or a bicycle or something? yeah it's there's Someone a rides? scene yeah there is a scene that involves i think it's a tricycle you know i just watched the movie again for the first time in a while uh while stuck in lockdown so i'm trying to I, it is it is fairly recent <laughs> but i think it is a tricycle if i remember correctly yeah, yeah. it was but i saw this on a computer and this was you know pretty early computers i mean you know we're talking i, I mean this had to be 86 or earlier when i went there because I wasn't working in animation yet. So, and that's when it's like, wait, I thought all everything was done in computers, you know? And it's no, we're just doing this vehicle. And I think a clock scene, I think there was a whole clock scene. Which so I think this is the end of the movie with a big battle between Radigan and Basil, uh, now that I'm remembering it, because he, Radigan is riding a, or Basil, Radigan, I think is riding it, what is like a, a dirigible or like a blimp or something oh. that has a, has a, bicycle component to it that makes it fly so i think that's what okay. it might have been because that's also okay. involving a clock tower so but yeah. yes I, I i know what you're it talking could, about yeah so my memory's a little fuzzy it's exactly what i saw but i remember those things and i said but where are the characters you know and i, I realized that this book about Walt, you know was not really accurate a couple of things there's the 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 things i recommend first of all the walt disney family museum i love that place um and they have uh, video that they, I guess, I think Diane Disney either worked on the video. I don't know if the museum was around yet, but anyways, they have the video. It's Walt, what is it called? The Man Behind the Myth, I think. And that to me, Harriet's in that, Blaine's in that, all these wonderful people. And to me, that's completely accurate. If you want the Walt Disney story, not necessarily Disney history in general, but the Walt Disney story, I don't think you have to look further than that. And that's what I tell people. You know, there are a couple of books and Bob Thomas, I trust whatever he wrote, he did a book. Um, and then Diane, so Walt's daughter, Diane, did a book, I think it's called My Dad, Walt Disney, isn't that what it's called? But which Sounds she right. did, um, and a lot of the audio that we hear, a lot of the quotes um, and, and things that we hear in movies and documentaries uh, are from that wonderful interview for that book. It's something like 10 or 12 hours or something of Walt talking about his life, you know? Um, and, and where, you know, you can't just easily access that. Um, those are great quotes, but those, those sources, those three sources are really good. Another, the Disney A to Z 
um, I got to be a little bit involved in that book. That's Dave's book. That's the encyclopedia. But when I was writing for um, uh, G23 stuff, if there were things that I could contribute or I don't, I don't think, I don't know if there were errors, but I know that I had pages as I did my own research of stuff. I came up with things if there was an error, you know, or whatever. But I remember that they were very gracious when I, they said, if I find things that I don't know, and they changed it in the book, you know, uh, sometimes I may have just had a little thing to add, um, which is crazy because we're talking about the Disney archives, you know, yeah. and I, you know, why would I know anything more? But, um, it, but anyways, that's a really good resource and they still update it all the time and you can see it online. I mean, it, it's such a great, great resource. Um, so the other thing is you dig down, you know, um, if you, you might be the same kind of personality. I have a feeling you are, but you learn one thing and you want to just know more and more and more. And I look for newspaper clippings. Um, I look for, I try, sometimes I try to prove the facts. I remember for one, I don't think this was for T23, but for something, they, what was it? They were claiming the fireworks started, I think it was 1958, Fantasy in the Sky. And I believed it was 57, but I always want proof. Well, if I found a newspaper clipping from 1958 about Fantasy in the Sky, it doesn't prove to me anything other than it was there at least back to 1958 right you know well i ended up finding one for 57 and it said it was the debut and everything else and you know it it, it made sense that's when they started opening the park later for date night that's when they first had fireworks so it's digging down i'm just kind of giving you you know these examples and when you find something research but try to get the facts right i was watching a PBS documentary about Disney, and there were certain facts that are just wrong. I hate saying that, but the further we get away from any topic, you know, I mean, my one of my biggest passions is Disney. So the further we get, and you too, you know, and the yeah. further that we get away from Walt's days, the harder it is to get accurate information. I mean, I, I'm very lucky to have spoken to people and get their firsthand stories which are as accurate as you know you can be. Um, you still have to sometimes question, but um, now we're talking to the sons and daughters and grandkids and, and nieces and nephews, and with each generation, the stories can change, and eventually it might just be history books. And like I said, in that one book I'm reading, you know, Walt is frozen and whatever else they said, so. It's best to go back as far back as you can. Um, and even with newspaper clippings, here's one. I found a newspaper clipping from the late 30s when the voices were recording for Bambi. And it said that to get their laughs, Walt showed them footage of Mickey Mouse cartoons. And I don't know, would they be wearing headphones or whatever? Um, but this was in the newspaper, you know, and and it listed their names. So I asked Donnie Dunnigan, who was the voice of Bambi, and he didn't remember that at all. Now, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It could yeah. be that he forgot. It was a long time ago. He was young. But it also could mean that this newspaper might have just made it up or heard a rumor. You know, uh, I remember many rumors growing up. I remember one, this wasn't Disney, but I remember a man we knew, a family friend 
who claimed he was the voice of Snagglepuss, the cartoon character Snagglepuss. <laughs> and I had no reason to doubt him. And then at yeah. Hanna-Barbera, I met the real voice of Snagglepuss. You know? <laughs> I, was like, hmm. I mean, I don't think most people are out to lie, but I think some are. Some want the credit for things. I did one interview once with a person, not from Walt's days, but a little bit newer, the 70s. And so much of it, I, I didn't think I could even believe. It sounded a little too self-serving and things that I never even posted that, you know, it's hard. So my best advice is just do your best to state, to make sure it's fact. And if you can't make sure, state your source. You know, I, I'm, I'm friends with a man, Peter Marshall. We worked on a show together. He was a wonderful host of Hollywood Squares, an incredible singer. So I love talking to him about the big band days and all that. And even he ended up having the um, a show called Big Bands at Disneyland, and um, it, was, it was he hosted it at Carnation Plaza Gardens, and they had the great big bands from the 1940s that used to perform at Disneyland. And he would sit down and he would interview the the hosts. Well, when he hosted the Hollywood Squares, it was really important when they would ask a question, uh, they would have to say, according to you know. According to Miss Manners, which is, I think, one they had, or according to Dear Abby, what should you do if, you know, and I always kind of kept that in a lot of my things, you know, according to. So, you know, there's a story about, you know, Disney that someone told me, I don't have any proof that it's true. It sounds like it probably is. So, you know, and I would say, well, you know, Harriet told me, and, and just as simple as those words Harriet told me tells you it's a pretty good source. It's a pretty reliable source, you know, take what you want, you know, and, and that's what's really important to me in, in learning history, any history, know the facts and know when it may or may not be. So that's a long-winded answer to your simple question. <laughs> but it's a it's a comp it's a simple but complicated question, and that's great yeah. advice too. I'm I'm definitely going to carry that with me. And it's amazing how even just a natural history uh, over the course of time, we hear things and stories growing up. Uh, we literally had this was this was a discussion we had, um, not quite on the Disney topic. We could bring it back because Disney loved presidential <laughs> history. But uh, there was the rumor from back in the day that. George Washington had wooden teeth and right. we, we were debate. We actually like um, my wife and I were debating with our parents that yeah. no, that's not true. That's just something you learned back in the day is a myth. And then yeah. we were able to find the source. We're like, look, here's the Smithsonian museum. Here's, here's George, you know, Mount Vernon. Here's the actual place where George Washington lived. They're all saying that no, it wasn't, it wasn't made of teeth made of wood. It was made of ivory and, and right. other materials. Wasn't so, it a, a biography or something? It's funny. Cause I had read this cause I was interested in that too. Yeah. And they, but yeah, they found the source of where this came from, or maybe I'm thinking of the cherry tree story. But yeah, I know. Isn't that fascinating, though? It's amazing. And even like you take something like Columbus and, you know, for years, Columbus discovered America. And now they're saying, now, oh, wait a minute. Well, it's weird. Like, I don't know what to believe anymore, because now <laughs> how do they find out if if when I you would think that when we were younger, you know, that would be closer to the truth. And now right. they're thinking they know what may be the truth. You know? Yeah. So but but luckily with Disney, there are some good sources. And luckily, with this type of history, newspapers and things are more readily accessible. You know, um, I, I will say the other thing, like for research, um, when I, just to give you an idea, 
so I was in the archives, as I was telling you, with Valerie Watson's story. My research included everything from newspaper archives. Um, her son wasn't really helpful, but sent me some photos. I then read, um, I was able to obtain a press release from a museum. They dug down and found a press release about when she became the ambassadress. And then I called Radio City Music Hall and they had an archives. And the lady there found um, the program and a, what was it, a program and I think a newspaper clipping that they had in their archives. And she made a copy for me. So um, there's a lot of great resources. And if you have the passion for these, it becomes much easier. You know, that's a lot of work sometimes. There's stories that you want to know, whatever that one story is, and you need to just find that one person or that one source or something. But um, it's like the missing piece of the puzzle. And when you find that piece, it's just really rewarding, you know? It kind of teed me up because one of the questions I was going to ask you is, is if there is a missing piece of the puzzle that you just have this desire to know the answer to. I'm sure there's a lot, but uh, anything that, that comes to top of mind of just this this hole in Disney history that you're just wanting to find the answer to? You know, more than that, there's just people I wish I recorded their interviews. That makes um, sense. Definitely Thurl Ravenscroft, um, who I, I knew, um, well, Bob, you know, Sherman, um, Lucille Bliss. I mean, talk about, you know, I mean, we would get together and talk about, you know, her doing, she also did a little commercial that she was a voiceover in 101 Dalmatians singing about canine crunchies, you know. Um, and, uh, but then there's people I wish I could have talked to Jimmy Dodd from the Mickey Mouse Club, for those who don't know. He was the man, he was not the host, but the adult, one of two adults. Everything I've heard about Jimmy sounded like he was an incredible person and kind and real. And what you saw on the screen was real. And uh, the people I know, you know, some of the Mouseketeers that I've gotten to know or have spoken to about him, uh, just say such neat things. What you saw was, you know, what you got. And, um, and of course, Walt, I mean, God, I would love to sit down oh, well, yeah. and talk to him. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a given. There probably are some things, um, but I can't think off the top of my head about a particular hole, but my brain works in the way that, you know, it, it's, there's always more that I can learn. So I, I think with almost any topic, I'm never satisfied because I want to learn more and more and more. But no, um, I'm not sure of one particular hole, you know. No, but certainly the people, I think, is a great answer because there are so many people that I wish I could have spoken to as well. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. That just the list, goes, the list goes on and on. And I know that yeah. the, those who are getting older, they appear at the top of my list uh, quicker because yeah. <laughs> there's only so much time. That, uh, I mean, Mel Blank, do you know, Mel Blank did the voice of Bugs Bunny and oh, yeah. He's uh, done every tree and Sylvester and all this. And when I was working at Hanna-Barbera, he was the voice of Captain Caveman. And I really wanted to meet him. And one day I got a call in my office from the voiceover department, voice department, character voice department. And they said, Mel is down here early. You want to come talk to him? And I got to sit in a room. Did you know that he recorded and we talked, and I didn't record it because, again, I didn't think about these things. We talked about the Jack Benny show. He used to do that. We talked about a lot about Warner Brothers. Did you know that he recorded the voice of Gideon? Walt cast him as the voice of Gideon in Pinocchio, and he recorded and got paid. And then when he went to the movies to see it, um, his voice was cut out. Gideon became a mute character, other than some, I think there's only like three hiccups 
That's Mel Blanc. Wow. It's actually his voice. I did voice. not know and, that. You know, so people would tell you these stories and um, it's like, I wish I turned, for some, I actually did know them and I wish I would turn on the voice recorder, you know, for those. So, you know, and, and, and it is hard, even in his book, which has been a very long time since I read, but a lot of times they will write them with another person. And even in autobiography, sometimes those facts are not accurate, but isn't that neat that he was, and and, and, and it was something to do with him being drunk. Like Walt, he did a drunken character for Walt. and, and so I believe that the Gideon, this is why we need to talk to him again, but I believe the Gideon was like a drunken character. And that's how, why I think he has these hiccups, you know? But yeah, and then Gideon became mute. So. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, so I, I guess just to wrap things up, I feel like we'll, we'll have to have you back because there's so many questions I could ask you and so many stories. We might have to get into some specific attractions or, or people and, and talk about things that way. But I definitely want to at least talk a little bit about your work and especially the videos you've been producing lately with um, uh, partnering with the Kingdom Insider a bit on a Keeping the Magic Alive series, which is, I, I've seen every video so far. They're just oh, thanks. really incredible videos. I, I they're, they're definitely bingeable. I just kind of went from one to the next oh. and they're all very enjoyable. <laughs> That means a lot to me. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it, it was, I, and I learned a lot too. It was, they were great videos. Thanks. So, um, so yeah, where can people go to follow you and see what you have going on? Um, well, the best place uh, is Mouse Clubhouse, which is it's actually spelled Mouse and Club House, all you know as words. Harriet Burns, who we talked about, um, designed the Mouse Clubhouse. Although there was no H in it, but for the Mickey Mouse Club, it was a set, and she designed the Mouse Clubhouse. So, that was uh, a little tribute to her that I did. Ah. Um, but anyways, mouseclubhouse.com. Um, you could also type in Scott Wolf online. It brings you to the same place. And it's just kind of a portal to some of the things. Um, I do have an Instagram. I, I have tons of old pictures that I post. I love doing that. My favorite thing I'm doing now might be my favorite thing ever are my videos. Yeah. I, I love doing that. So the words that you just said about them means a ton to me, truly. Um, I try to do things maybe that everybody, you know, doesn't know that it's not as popular. I posted one today about Marceline, uh, Missouri, Walt's hometown, which I fell in love with when I went there. And um, I went inside the Walt Disney Elementary School. So this new video is a history with my own personal photos, never before seen photos, you know, when I could combine the photos and the history. And um, Marceline's wonderful. And uh, there's a great history with that. I love doing these videos. It, it's just um, to share. Sometimes I, I include the people's voice. I have one I'm working on right now about Mary Costa. And it's a short little one, but it's a story she told me about her and Walt and a nickname that he gave her. So I'm going to do a little talking, but then I'm going to cut and you're actually going to hear Mary telling the story herself. Oh, cool. So I love doing these. And I it's hard. I don't know how to, I don't know a lot about getting people to hear them or finding people or finding viewers, but it's out there for anyone who likes Disney and is interested. So those are on YouTube. Um, it came about, I'll give a, a shout out to Lisa Federico. Um, she found me years ago. Now it's probably 15 years ago or something. I don't know. Um, and she has her, her travel agency, Academy Travel, they do more 
Disney vacations than any other travel agency agency in the world. They're authorized. They're a partner of our show. Yeah. So yeah. They, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> great. So um, they, which is funny that that's not how we came uh, yeah, yeah, together totally here separate. Through, you know, through Pam. But um, so Lisa has this great travel agency. I think there's only like two diamond uh, earmarked, whatever. Two, yeah, there's two or three. There's only a, a couple. So she, and it's really funny, she was the first one to get me to do a talk about Disney. I never had done one. And she had me do a talk for her agent. So they all sell Disney vacations. That's what they specialized in. They're authorized, it, but they specialize in the Disney vacations. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm quite an insecure person. And she, which probably lends to why I need all the facts. I'm always afraid of saying something wrong, you know. And I told her, I wasn't sure that people would be interested in what I had to say. And she brought us down to Florida and, you know, uh, really wind and dined us. And I, I did a talk, a PowerPoint for her agents and they made me feel so good. You know, they loved it. And now also being around Disney historians a lot or Disney experts or whatever term, a lot of the stories I know a lot of people know. So, you know. I'm always thinking, oh, everyone knows this, but these people loved it. So it just kind of began this kind of relationship with Academy Travel. And then um, she launched the Kingdom Insider website and she bought me all this equipment and lights and all this stuff to do videos. And it, I have to tell you, I don't think there's a day that goes by now where I'm not thinking, what kind of video can I do next? And I'm working on scripts. They take a lot of time to do the scripts and to do the um, gather the information. The great part is a lot of times I can call people. I'm working on one about Ricky Lugo, the dancer in the Golden Horseshoe. So it gave me a great opportunity to just call and say, Ricky, you told me a story about blank, you know, <laughs> can you tell me more about it? You know, more details. And it's just the most fun I'm having. And really, it's largely Lisa to thank for that. So um, it is presented by the Kingdom Insider because it, it's it's there. I do it for them, but um, it, it's so much fun. So yeah, that's on, on YouTube. And um, uh, it's called Keeping the Magic Alive on YouTube. I'll, uh, I'll, of course, make sure to link to that into your website, into your Instagram and anywhere else to make it very easy for people to get there. Like I said, I, I enjoy them. I subscribed. I'm looking forward to seeing more. And uh, they're they're just definitely keep them coming. I think they're great. So thank you. Thanks. Um, but yeah, I think so. We've been we've been chatting for like a couple hours now, which is amazing. I but I feel like we could uh, <laughs> we could chat for a lot longer. So we'll have to to have you back on the show. But well, it's um, largely because of you and because I'm a huge blabbermouth. But you've made no. it very easy. Oh, so. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of great stories. So it's it's Thanks. great it's great information and stories to mine from the conversation. So, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll have you back. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, looking forward to to our next conversation. Now keep up the good work with your show too. It's really oh, good. Thank you. Really enjoy it. Thank you so much.
And with that, we close out episode 104 and our two-part discussion with Scott Wolf. I want to give a big thank you to Scott once again for coming on to the show because I learned so much from this two-part series. I feel like we'll definitely have to have Scott back again in the future to share even more stories because this barely scratched the surface. And we'll also have to have him back to dive deep into some of the classic attractions you know and love around the Disney parks. I certainly encourage you, if you haven't yet already, to check out Scott's work by first going to mouseclubhouse.com, which is his website, and definitely check out the Keeping the Magic Alive video series on YouTube. As I've mentioned a few times now, I have watched or binge-watched every uh, episode in the series that Scott has to share. In every video I watch, I learned several new things. It's amazing how much knowledge Scott has. And again, he shared some information about how he gets his Disney knowledge and history. And certainly in a lot of cases, it's straight from the source. So you know that when you visit and check out his videos, you're getting some really great intel and information about your Disney history. Of course, I want to turn the subject over to you and hear which of the stories from part two you enjoyed the most. You can send me your answers and feedback in so many different ways. And the first way is by following us and connecting with me on social media. You can find Imagineer Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News. And you can also join our Facebook group, which is The Imagination, also called The Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, to chat about this subject and all other Disney subjects with me and with other listeners in this community. Plus, you can also send me an email at matt at imagineerpodcast.com. If you don't already subscribe to the show, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. That way you're the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And you can hit that button whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, podbean google podcasts stitcher or any other podcast app and if you have a few seconds or a few minutes to leave us a rating and a review in apple podcasts that does a lot to help the show out by increasing our relevance in the apple podcast store and helping others to discover the podcast if they are searching for disney or imagineering plus letting them know if they do discover it what they can expect if you leave a it just takes a couple of seconds to leave a rating in apple podcast and if you have a a minute or two to read a, to, to take or write a review i do read each and every review that i get and will often even share them out to my instagram and facebook stories i'm so grateful to all of you and so humbled that we have maintained a five-star rating after four years of hosting this show it has certainly encouraged me to continue to make the show even better for all of you to keep moving forward as walt would say and to provide you with even more episodes about your favorite disney subjects and one of the best things you could do for the show quite honestly it's just to share it. Whether you share this episode or this two-part series with Scott Wolf, you share any other episode of the show, the podcast as a whole, your favorite social media post, or even just talking about it with your Disney friends and family. Every little thing you do to share the show helps this community to grow and certainly helps us out tremendously. So thanks to all of you who continue to share the show each and every week. Plus, if you would like to take your love of Imagineer Podcast to the next level, you'll definitely want to check out our Patreon group, which is over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is a way that you can help to support the show financially, and in return, you get exclusive perks, benefits, and rewards. Things like early access to every podcast episode, access to my podcast production notes, bonus podcast episodes, access to an exclusive Facebook group, and my close friends list on Instagram. 
Plus, we've been doing weekly Disney Plus watch parties, which have been so much fun. We just watched at the same time virtually together on our respective devices from our own couches or, or offices or wherever we might be watching from. And we'll just comment together as we watch live. It's just a great discussion about some of our favorite Disney films, some new Disney films we've never seen before and uh, so much more. So that's one of my favorite new perks. But all these perks and terms and conditions are subject to change. The best way to see what is currently available is by heading to patreon.com slash imagineyourpodcast. Last thing I'll add is if you've seen what I can do for free, just imagine what I do when you support the show financially. Um, so check us out there. And thanks as always to all of our Imagineer podcast Patreon members. I would also encourage you to check out our partners. First, check out The Kingdom Insider over at thekingdominsider.com and the Kingdom Insider on your favorite social media channel so that you can get the latest news and reliable news at that, at what's happening at Disney, what's to come in the future, even some tips on how to make the most of your next Disney vacation and how to bring the magic of Disney into your own home. So you can check them out again at thekingdominsider.com or the Kingdom Insider on your favorite social media channel. Plus, Definitely after this discussion, check out Academy Travel, which is our official travel partner. And it's amazing that Scott brought that up because, as he mentioned, uh, he and I met through Harriet Burns' daughter, Pam. So we didn't even realize about the connection we both had in working with Academy Travel. But that should say something about their level of service. And as I've said before, they can help you to plan out a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Aulani, or any other Disney destination. They are diamond earmarked. That is the highest level, truly the highest level of distinction that Disney awards travel agencies. And that's because they certainly know what they're doing. They've been helping to plan vacations for over 25 years. They offer an incredible level of service. They've planned more Disney vacations, I believe, than any other travel agency out there and can, or at least authorized uh, Disney travel uh, agency out there and can really help you to alleviate a lot of the guesswork and the stress of planning out your next vacation. You can request a free quote from them, no obligation, to by clicking on any of the links in the show notes below or by heading to imagineyourpodcast.com, clicking on the travel dropdown, selecting your destination, and filling out that form. They are also aware of all the available discounts, so that even helps you to uh, save money on your next Disney vacation. And again, this is at no additional cost to you. So definitely check them out and get that free quote, and that is no obligation. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as always, to go after your hopes and your dreams and your goals. I mentioned at the end of part one that I think Scott is a great example of a case where when you go after what you're passionate about, you put your best foot forward, and you make it known what it is you love and what it is you want to do, how all these opportunities become available to you. And I I know I say episode after episode, but it's so true. The hardest thing is just getting started. Once you get started and make a commitment to doing what you love and doing it well and making it known to others what you want to do, all of these doors are going to open to you. It does take a lot of hard work, don't get me wrong, but once you start doing it, it's amazing what path, when paths will lie ahead for you. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Podcast.